Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So welcome to our Practice Manager webinar. We have had lots of out-of-office responses when we sent out our reminder that we normally do to say we're on today. So hopefully a lot of you are having a nice time in the sun and we hope you're getting a good rest. Very pleased that we've got uh, both directors of primary care um, here with us today, Michelle Lombardi and Lisa Harding, and Dawn Chowcraft, our Deputy Director of Primary Care. So that's brilliant. And my name is Louise Greenwood and I'm Director of Education and Training. Always happy to answer any questions on education and training or anything else. As all of us are, we know sometimes it's difficult to find who to ask a question to. Ask us. If we don't know within our office or our team, we can absolutely signpost you and we really don't mind. We were all new in our jobs once and we know how difficult it can be and there's a lot of change at the moment. So please know we are a resource here that are always here to help you. So I think we're going to start with you, Lisa, and you're going to talk about the delivery for recovering access. Thanks, Louise. So I was just going to mention today the National General Practice Improvement Programme, or GPIP, perhaps, um, which was introduced as part of the delivering um, the recovering access to primary care programme uh, in May of this year. So the programme will provide support to practices and PCNs over two years, so that's uh, 2023 to 25, to make changes and improvements on how they work. Um, they say the focus will be on helping practices PCNs have more control over their workload, maximise the use of uh, all staff roles and local services, and meet the needs of patients and provide safe, equitable care. Um, so there are three levels of support for the programme, all underpinned by, the princi by principles that the change should be clinically led, data-driven and evidence-based. Um, so just sort of moving on really to what those three levels are. Um, the first one is um, a universal offer. So that's accessible to every practice across the country and it's made up of um, three elements. There are webinars covering the five key priority areas with advice on how to make practical changes and improvements in general practice. Um, there are online resources for those same priority areas, including guidance on quick wins, best practice. And there are some training opportunities, including including um, quality improvement tools, techniques and leadership. Um, I will put the, the links in the in the chat box around uh, each so that you can have a look at them. There is more detail and there's a bit more information um, for people to access if they're interested. Um, so the second element or the second layer is the intermediate offer. Um, now this is a hands-on package of support that's delivered over three months to enable planning and delivery of improvements. There are versions of the intermediate offer for practices and for PCNs and the support will include facilitated in-person sessions, a data diagnosis and a tailored analysis of demand and capacity. Then the third element or principle is the intensive offer and this, this provides targeted hands-on support for those practices working in the most challenging circumstances. So I think it's only available to a few. It's delivered over six months. Practices will benefit from on-site support as well as group-based sessions to facilitate peer-to-peer -peer learning and sharing of experience across patches. Um, so as I say, I will put some links within the um, chat around each of the offers and there's also a contact email if people are interested. I did have a quick look online before the the, um, the webinar started. I think some might already be subs fully subscribed, but I think there are some still spaces available on others. So if you are interested, it may be having worth having a look. Um, so I'll, I'll put those links in the chat now. Thanks, Louise. 
Thank you, Lisa. And if you do see those sort of things that are subscribers, it's always worth, if you can, adding your name to the waiting list because they do look at that waiting list and they will hopefully put on some more um, if things do get oversubscribed. Thank you, Lisa. That was really helpful. Um, Dawn, we're coming to you um, for PCSE, please. Thanks, Louise. Yes, PCSE put out um, uh, an update recently, which some may have seen, but um, with holidays and so on, might have got buried in the inbox. So I thought there were just two or three uh, little items that do warrant probably a mention. Uh, firstly, Open Exeter password security. Um, those that still use Open Exeter in particular for accessing screening data. Um, <clears throat> previously, you would have been changing your password quite often every 30 days, but they have PCSE. Have have now been working with NHS England um, and they've extended the password expiry period um, to six months. <clears throat> this means from the 15th of May, um, once you've renewed your password, you'll not be required to do so for six months, which hopefully will be a lot more helpful. Um, the other or the next little reminder is about patient registrations. Um, I'm sure most of you are, are aware when registering a patient, you do have the option to record gender of a patient as male, female or indeterminate. And this information is used by NHS England's screening programmes. So PCSE wish to clarify if a patient is registered with their gender as indeterminate, the default position is that the patient will be called for cervical screening. And of course, this may be inappropriate, particularly if the patient doesn't have a cervix. Um, now, PCSE recently ran a patient registrations webinar, and this topic was discussed on that webinar. And if you want to have a look, they have got it on their YouTube channel, for which we've got the link. And we can put that in the chat bar, but also perhaps we can put it um next to the podcast recording um, <clears throat> that we put up online after we finished. Um, and next we have, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, um, anybody who is a user on PCSE online um, with access to medical records and patient registration information. Um, Previously, you'd go through onto the PCSE contact page and there's a drop down box I'm sure you're all familiar with. And those options were on that drop down box where they are no longer. Users who wish to inquire about access to medical records or anything to do with access to patient registration will need to now use or choose subject access request as the category in the drop down box to make an inquiry. <clears throat> they PCSE say this is part of their streamlining and improvements. Um, and uh, following on from that, um, on GP statements now, there is a tile for drug wrong movement group report. Um, and whilst everybody will be able to see it, both dispensing practices and prescribing practices, it is actually only the dispensing practices that will be able to click on it and see um, any uh, visible data. Um, so that they can look at any um, claims that may be uh, they may be affected by and relevant charges that have been applied. So whilst you might see the tile as a prescribing practice, it's only those that are dispensing that will be able to use the tile at present. And lastly, but not least, uh, a little update or not update, but reminder about the national performers list if you are a training GP practice. So if you do have or are planning to have GP registrars working in your practice, they may need help applying to the national performers list. And what is important is that they know that they will need to submit their application 
no earlier than six months prior to obtaining their CCT, that's their Certificate of Completed Training, and no later than three months after they've completed the CCT. Um, there are a number of documents that they need, and that's all listed on uh, PCSE, who have also created a new guide for performers list applications. Um, they provided or updated their guide May 23. And again, we can provide the link to that. Um, should you need it, um, I can put it in the chat bar or alternatively, we can put them all against the podcast when it goes up on our website later on. And I think that's all for me now, Louise. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you, Dawn. It's great that you're sort of keeping on a man on PCSE. And I know you've helped some individual practices, um, which has been very useful. So yeah, do pop the um, links in and we'll also put them on the um, on the website when, when we publish the podcast. That's absolutely fine. Thank you, Dawn. Um, Lisa, back to you. I think um, GP's working remotely. Yes, this was um, just a quick item because we've just had a couple of queries recently about healthcare professionals who might want to relocate and live uh, or temporarily stay abroad but work for the NHS, i.e. general practice. Um, And uh, so I had a couple of conversations with um, the DPOs in Wessex really to see what they thought. Um, And between us, we've pulled together a bit of a checklist um, just around things that practices may want to think about if they're exploring this. Um, I don't think it's exhaustive, but I think we tried to pick out the main issues. I have to say it's a little bit of a heart sink when you look at all the the information that's required. Um, But as I say, that that checklist is available and happy to send it out to practices if they're looking at this. Uh, Just a couple of things that um, might be worth mentioning. Uh, There's more information around it on the CNSGP website around the scope of cover. Uh, so that's quite useful. Obviously, I think you'd also need to think about me- medical defence cover, public liability cover, etc. Um, there's some employment advice, which does seem quite uh, onerous on, um, I think it's the NHS employers website. Um there's some ICO guidance. So there are all sorts of elements that we've tried to cover off really from, from the data governance element to employment uh, to indemnity. So it was really just to mention if people are thinking about it, we've put together a checklist. I think it's still worth getting some specialist advice from your DPOs and HR um, providers, but I'm happy to share that if people want it on an individual basis. That's really helpful, Lisa. Thank you. And a few um, questions just come in. Um, I was told by my HR advisors last week that any staff working abroad need careful consideration as there are tax implications for practices and Spain is particularly strict, apparently. Yes, so it does It does look to be a bit of a minefield. Yes, it sounds It sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? And it sounds like this might sort of help some of the sort of workforce crisis, but actually, and, and it might, but if you do it in the right way. Um, but there are obviously lots, lots of things to think about if you want to get involved in that. So we've got that. Um, and I guess we'll put it on our website. We've got, we can put that on. As well. Yeah, we were going to put a link in the newsletter, the next copy of the newsletter, so yeah. people can access it quite easily from that, hopefully. Perfect. Thank you, Lisa. That's really helpful. Um, Michelle, I think we're coming to you now um, about um, ARRS staff. Thanks, Louise. So we just wanted to highlight to everybody that the Network Contract Dares service specification has now been updated. It was updated on the 2nd of June. And if you look at that version, there are blue highlights throughout that show the update so you can identify those clearly. We wanted just to identify that the um, the ARRS uh, uh, reimbursement that you receive has now been updated and it brings the maximum reimbursable amounts under ARRS scheme in line with the new agenda for change 
exchange pay scales um, and the uplift supply from July 2023 onwards. It's not retrospectively backdated to April, it's from July onwards. Um, we'll pop the uh, link into the chat so you can access these new specification. And the table that I'm referencing is particularly on pages 69 to 72. That's really helpful. Thank you, Michelle. Um, and finally, on our agenda items, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, our practice manager webinars. And I had a very good challenge um, as to why we have separate practice manager webinars like this one that we're all on today and that only practice managers and business managers are invited to. And then we have separate PCN manager discussion groups that only PCN are invited to. And the challenge was, well, actually, things have moved on a little bit, um, both and actually, um, these are part of our regular LMC calendar, but some practice managers are also PCM managers and vice versa. So the work and the discussions surely are similar to both. So why don't we just join them up? So we sent out an anonymous survey to you all and thank you for those of you who completed it. So it went to all our PCM managers and all our practice managers just to find out what you all thought about widening the invitation to this event. And we had a good spread of results from across our whole patch. So the results were that practice managers really valued this webinar, PCN managers really valued their discussion group, but 75% of both of you were happy that all were invited to both events. So there were some interesting comments, uh, mainly about keeping the focus and the sort of main structure of the events as they were. The discussion group with PCN managers is much smaller, much more of an opportunity to chat and share with other people about um, only PCN issues. Whereas the practice manager webinar, you know, we rattle through all sorts of things um, in this um, in this format. Um, and it's, it's not due to for Q&A, um, but not so much for sort of personal sharing. So the PCN discussion group is recorded and available for the group to watch afterwards and then deleted, certainly not to forward on to. Um, the practice manager update webinar, as you know, is recorded and then available as a podcast for all to hear. So going forward, really thank you for all your feedback. It's really, it was a really good challenge to us. It made us really think about how things are and how things move on and how we need to adapt with the times. So we plan to keep the events in the format that they are at the moment, but invite all practice managers and business managers and all PCM managers to both events. So thanks, you and we know you have so many calls on your time, but we really appreciate the fact that how you engage with us either on the call live today or listening on the podcast. Um, but I'm going to start this change in the next couple of weeks. So unless you've got any more feedback than you gave me over the uh, survey, which was great, we will start that. As I say, we're, we're going to keep both events exactly as they are, but widen um, the invitation group. So hopefully that will be helpful to you. And those of you who are doing both roles, you might have to have two things to go to now. But as I say, we do know your time is really precious. So the more we can engage with you and be helpful to you, we will. But actually, I'm always happy to um, have a challenge and have a rethink about what we're doing because it's really helpful to us too. And it means you're in engaged with us. So that's brilliant. So hopefully that made sense with all of that. And um, if you've got any comments or any queries, just let me know. Um, but we might see some more people coming um, to this event on uh, Wednesday when we run it. So that was all um, we had on our agendas. Um, I don't see any other questions. I don't know if Lisa and Michelle Dawn have anything else they want to offer. Otherwise, we'd say that was, yeah, that's about 20 minutes. That's quite a quick one today. So thank you so much, those of you who've joined us live and on the podcast. Thank you very much, as ever, to Lisa, Michelle and Dawn. And we will see you all again very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.